Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. If you could turn to the Song of Solomon, chapter 4, and we're going to pick up with verse 12. The title of tonight's message is, That's My King, Do You Know Him? That's My King, Do You Know Him? And we've been going through the Song of Solomon, probably, I guess, uh, a chapter a month for the past uh, four months or three or four months. And we're going to pick up, I'm going to go back just about a verse or two to 12. We already looked at 12 last month, but I want to pick it up there. And we're just going to look at four verses tonight, verses 12 through 16. So what I like to do is read it first, and then we'll break it down. Verse 12, a garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. A spring shut up, a fountain sealed. Your plants are an orchard of pomegranates with pleasant fruits, fragrant henna with spikenard, spikenard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with all trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes, with all the chief spices, a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters and streams from Lebanon. Awake, O north wind, and come, O south, blow upon my garden that its spices may flow out. Let my beloved come to his garden and eat its pleasant fruits. Tonight there is two characters that we'll be looking at. Uh, We picked up in verse 12, and this represents the king. This represents the shepherd. This represents Jesus Christ to you and to me the person speaking that we're referring to in verses 12 through 15. And then when we get to 16, the Shulamite represents you and represents me. It's the peasant girl that the king has met in his journey that he fell in love with. So the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs, if you haven't been with us, this is his top hit. This is his number one song on the charts. Out of over a thousand songs, this was number one. And God loved it so much, he put it right into his love letter to you and to me. Now we're going to talk a little bit about, you can switch it, Lynn. We're going to talk a little bit about gardens. And as you can see up here, um, there's two gardens here. And the one on the left has a lot of debris. There's a mouse or a rat there. And then on the one on the right is a well-kept garden. It's groomed. You can see it has care. It has somebody who's concerned and takes the time to do something. Well, the master gardener in this story that we're going to see a lot of uh, plants today, and we're going to, you're going to hear the word garden several times. The master gardener is none other than Jesus Christ. When you and I were in the world, we could probably identify with the picture on the left. We were a mess. And then when God opened up our eyes and started 
taking care of us. Started changing us from the inside out. Hopefully more of us can identify with that garden on the right, spiritually speaking. There are several gardens listed in the Bible, throughout Scripture, the Old and the New Testament. This particular picture is just representative of the Garden of Eden, paradise, when God first created the heavens and the earth and first created the human race. Beautiful. Just this artist's rendition of the beauty of that creation and depending on where you are and if it's hard for you to see, you know, you have some of the animals, you have beautiful trees and the fountains and the colors. The colors are fantastic. But there's a snake in the tree. I don't know if you can see it. There's a snake in the tree. There's always a snake in the tree. As long as we're on this earth, there's going to be a snake in the tree. We could be surrounded by everything that's great, but there's going to be a snake in the tree. In Ephesians 6, it tells us that we should have on the armor of God. And that's armor that we should never take off. Those are our PJs too, the armor of God. We need to sleep in our armor. Because you know and I know that during the course of any night, we could have attacks on our mind, on our heart. And that's why it's important as believers in Jesus that we hide God's word in our heart. So we can go right to the well of God's word in the middle of the night. In the middle of a situation with our families that isn't too pleasant. Or on our job. Or in school. Wherever we are. When we hide God's word in our heart, it doesn't stay there. It comes out through the adversities, the trials, and the tribulations of life. Verse 12 says in Song of Solomon 4, A garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. A spring shut up, a fountain sealed. You and I are God's garden. He's the gardener that's cultivating us. He delights himself in us. He loves us individually, but he's working on us just like a gardener who cares Works on a garden. There's things he has to do. There's things he's doing. And as you know, a gardener tears up. He prunes. He plants. He moves things. He waters. There's different things to cause this garden to flourish. To look beautiful. In Ephesians 4, 11, it says, And he, gave him, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up and the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, 
from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It's a lot in those verses. But you and I are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the gardener working on you to bring you to that spot that he wants you to be. Pastor Paul and the last time he taught up here on a Sunday, Sunday, right, Pastor Paul with the clay? There was a clay. If you were here, there was that lump of clay. All you saw was the lump of clay. You're a lump of clay. I'm a lump of clay. God is the potter. He pounds that clay. He, he moves it. He, he twists it. To make it the finished product that there was a vase over here and the lump of clay was here. But that's you and me. And it's just like this, the garden that I showed you up there. We were once lost, a mess. And then God came into our lives and started changing us from the inside out. There are a lot of plants and fruits that are mentioned in the verses that we're looking at tonight. But before we get there, that verse 12, a garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. And just again, think of that sister, family, a family, but also a spouse. When you are a believer in Jesus Christ, when you become a born-again believer, you're a child of God. You're a son of the king. You're a daughter of the king. But even more than that, there's more. You are part of the family of God, but you're also known as the bride of Christ. And we're on our way to a wedding feast We're passing through this journey of this life for however long that is for you and for me until God brings us home with all the other believers and we'll have a seven-year wedding feast. Can eat whatever you want. Don't have to worry about calories. Don't have to worry about going for a walk or getting on a heavenly treadmill. That'd be an awesome day. But until then, and I was just thinking what Rob and, uh, and Roberta DeMarco told me, that they prayed with this one man this past Friday. And we're pretty sure it's the same guy, right? And today he's in eternity. By the fire that just happened yesterday, I guess, right? Yes, last night, was it? It's a couple nights ago. Last night. So think of this, that God is preparing all of us as individuals and also as the body of Christ, his garden, 
with all different plants, all different individuals, all different personalities, some with the same gifts, some with other gifts, different fragrances, spiritually speaking, to have an impact as people look on you and interact and walk through. So just the other night, this young guy came here for food for the soul, like many people do the third Friday of the month. And who knows? Who knows? Because we are heeding the call of Christ, what that heeding and being obedient to the Lord might make an eternal difference or is making an eternal difference in that guy's life right now. How awesome is that? You can't beat it. You can't beat it. So relationship, that relationship with Jesus Christ. God is cultivating you. It says, a spring shut up, a fountain sealed. And in my last teaching, I use that, that God is keeping us. He's protecting us. He's jealous, of, he, he's jealous for us. He cares for us. But, but today, or the last few days as I was preparing, a spring shut up and a fountain sealed can also be looked at as unhealthy. Because if a spring isn't running, it becomes polluted. If it doesn't have an outsource to someplace to go, it'll just become full of bacteria. And the same thing with a fountain that's supposed to just be beautiful and spraying. is sealed. It's not doing its job. Well, tonight, maybe God is trying to reach you to tell you that you've been sealed up for him. Or he's trying to reach you and say he wants to open you up so he can use you for the benefit of not only the body of Christ, brothers and sisters that you interact with, but people who might just come in your path one night, just one night. It's something to think about. It is reality. It's something that's going on every day. Verse 13. Your plants are an orchard of pomegranates with pleasant fruits, fragrant henna with spikenard. Now you're going to see in a lot of the things that we look at, in order to use the plants or use the fruits, they have to be cut. They have to be crushed. They have to be broken. Remember, you are those plants. You are those fruits. And in order to be used, most likely, if you're like me, you have to be bruised and broken and crushed. And we'll look at that a little more as this progresses. But the pomegranate is one of the most healthiest fruits on the earth. Has a lot of different compounds in it. 
and is unrivaled by a, a lot of other foods. But you can see when you look at the pomegranate, there's two pictures there. There's a whole pomegranate that just looks like a weird-looking apple. But when it's broken up, you see all these seeds inside. And you know there's juice you can have from it and different jams or whatever. You can do a lot with the pomegranate. But it's not until it's broken open that the fruit inside can be used. It's just like you and me. As long as we are who we are without Christ doing a work in our hearts, we're like the weird-looking apple part of the pomegranate. We're just a shell. It's not until God breaks us, not until we humble ourselves and before the Lord and repent before the Lord, that he can use us. And then what happens? We're a fragrance. We're a, a something that can be used to bring spiritual nutrition to other people. Each of us are in this same type of category. The other thing with the pomegranate, it stains, a red stain. And the cool thing with God is, and Pastor Joe has been doing it for every Sunday when he's in Romans, all the different insects and the animals and all those things, just the uh, cool stuff that he's bringing out with things that we take for granted. There's a grasshopper in my house the other day. And before I gutted and removed it, I had to look at it and just see how unbelievable it was with all its legs and its head and its eyes. And, you know, I was just thinking of the intricacy of God's beauty and his, his creative mind and how he did this. But I want you to also see through the things that we look at in the next 15 minutes or so, how God places himself in each of these things. That in creation, we see the creator. Jesus was broken for us. He spilled his blood for us. We're covered in his blood when we receive him as our Lord and our Savior. We're stained by that red blood, spiritually speaking. Greatest price that it was ever paid was paid by Jesus on that cross. And we even have like the stain marks up on this cross. But the pomegranate speaks of that. Being crushed and being broken and bleeding. But notice what comes from that is nutrition. It's unbelievable how God uses just all of his creation to try to reach us where we are. Pleasant fruits, fragrant henna with spikenard. The Hebrew word, Kofer or henna signifies an atonement or a propitiation. 
And a propitiation is a word simply meaning to regain favor, to satisfy a demand. Now, because of sin, we needed an atonement. And a neat way to remember atonement is when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, your sins are paid for. Your sins are washed away. You were an enemy of God before the cross. When you trust in Jesus and what he did at the cross, you're at one meant with Jesus again. There's not that division. You're at one. And that propitiation is to regain favor or satisfy a demand. The demand was that that sin or sins need to be paid for. God is a loving God, but he's a just God. So that sin, he can't just say, oh, I forget. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Just don't do it anymore. And then you do it again. Ah, it's okay. No, that sin has got to be paid for. And God so loved the world that he gave his son to pay for it. So that you and I don't have to pay for it. Because guess how long it would take us to pay for our sin? Eternity. You have to pay for eternity. So Jesus loves us so much. He said, okay, dad, you want me to go down there? I'm going down. And I'm going to live down there for about 33 years. I'm going to set an example. I'm going to get their attention. I want to talk. I'm going to preach. And then I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to die for them. I'm going to shed my blood for them. And it's going to be a great thing. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'll suffer. But boy, the price is worth it. Because they're worth it. And that's what our God did for us. And here we see in the henna plant. In order to do this, those have to be picked and crushed and torn open. It's an amazing thing again that takes place. And you probably know the henna tattoos. The henna itself from... is like a reddish color, a deep red. Again, symbolizing what Christ did for us, shed his blood for you and for me. Hannah comes from a tree whose leaves yield red dye. Again, I just mentioned the blood of the cross. It's cool if you flip back to chapter 1 of the Song of Solomon and look at verse 14, just a couple pages back. In chapter 1, verse 14, the woman, the Shulamite woman, says, My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blooms in the vineyards of Engedi. And then here... In the verse we're reading now, it's the king that is saying to the girl. In verse 13, I'm sorry. Fragrant henna, your, your plants are an orchard. You're, you're like henna. And what does that mean? Why, why did I go back to one and then come back to verse or chapter four? It's because... God is seeing his life developing in you. 
the king in the story is seeing his life being revealed in the girl. As you, what did John the Baptist say? He must become more and I must become less. That's you and me. We need to be less of ourselves and more like Jesus. And how do we do that? We do that by taking his word, reading his word, digesting his word. And he changes us. The old habits change. We don't react the way that we used to to things. We look differently at the peop- at people in the world. A cool thing in, the, in preparing this, in ancient uh, Jewish tradition, the night before the wedding, the bride's hands and feet were stained with henna. And the commentary for that said this, in order to exude the sweet smell of forgiveness in her works, in her hands, and her walk, her feet, like God shows us in his word, you and I should be always looking to forgive and show mercy to others the way Jesus Christ has showed forgiveness and mercy to you as individuals. We're covered by the blood of Christ. We're covered in his blood. Okay, the next part of the verse is myrrh. I'm sorry, fragrant henna with spikenard. Now, spikenard was a soothing anointing oil. In John 12, 7, Jesus said to Judas, who was upset that this expensive perfume, this expensive anointing oil was being used on him. See, Judas was a treasurer, but he used to like to rob from the treasury. So Jesus said, leave her alone that she may keep this for the day of my burial. In six or seven days after his feet were anointed by oil, Jesus went to the cross. And one of the things that was done to him in the preparation for his burial was spikenard was applied. Notice again, in order to break that down, has to be crushed. Has to be ripped apart in order to get the valuable stuff out. But remember the application to you and me. You might be going through something right now. This year, this week, this day. And God's using it to break you, to crush you, to develop you, to make you beautiful in his sight. Because it's the only thing that will work. To release in you that fragrance. An anointing oil was something that was used in burial or for a blessing. It was something separate. It was holy. It was something set apart just for that person. 
When you chose Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were called, you were set apart. You were made holy, separate from everything else. In Matthew fifteen thirteen, it says, Jesus warns that every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. In Matthew thirteen twenty four, Jesus had earlier taught that tares are sown among the wheat by an enemy of God. They look like wheat, but are really weeds. That was a warning for you and for me. That in the church, in the body of Christ, there can be weeds among the things that God has planted. And you really can't tell the difference until they come to maturity. We all mess up as we walk and grow in the Lord. But as you get to know each other through fellowship, through interaction, you start to see each other's heart. And when we do mess up, we say, ah, he must be having or she must be having a bad day. I got got to lift them up in prayer. I got to pray for them. They're my brother. They're my sister in the Lord. And that's why it's so dangerous um, with the technology today because it isolates doesn't allow us to interact. And we've talked about this over the years. We need sandpaper in our lives. We need abrasive people in our lives. Because that shows us where we are in our walk. And hopefully you've seen that sandpaper smooth you out. And you become more loving and more prayerful. And more accepting. God knows what he needs to do in each of our lives. But are we recognizing that? Do we see what he's doing to make that garden from the left side to the right side? It takes work. There's a cleanup that's got to be done. Verse 14, spikenard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with all trees of frankincense, myrrh, and aloes, with all the chief spices. Calamus, because of its fragrance, was used in perfume and anointing oil. It was very, very costly. You and I were bought at a price, weren't we? The precious blood of the Lamb. Jesus gave his life, paid the price. You know why? Because you're valuable. You as an individual are so valuable. And as God shows us pictures of his beauty in a garden, how much more radiant and beautiful are you than the prettiest flower or plant to God? You're so valuable and beautiful in his sight. In 1 Peter 1.7, it says, Faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
Did you notice that one word in there that you probably don't like? Anybody catch it? Test it. Test it. As a public school teacher for 44 years, I know when we gave tests, kids wasn't their best day. They weren't looking forward to that. But what does a test show? It shows your grade. It shows where you are. What do trials show? It shows where you are in your walk with the Lord. How's your heart? What kind of fragrance and beauty is being developed there? Are you, are you there yet? Have you seen a change? Well, God knows how to get each of us where he needs us to be. Saffron is a beautiful flower, as you can see up on the screen. It's, it's gorgeous, the colors. We have, going back to the calmus, also known as sweet cane. Talked about in Isaiah and Jeremiah. It has a very nice smell. And when it's knotted, stalked, The stalk is cut and dried and reduced to powder. It forms an ingredient in the most precious perfumes and holy anointing oil. But look what has to happen to it. It's got to be knotted. It's got to be tied up tight. It's got to be cut. It's got to be dried out. And it's got to be reduced to powder. I don't know if you've ever been tied in knots. I don't know if you've ever been cut up, spiritually speaking. You feel like you're left to dry out. There's no moisture. There's nothing happening when you read the scriptures. When you pray, you don't feel like anything's being answered. And some days you just feel like if a gust of wind came around, you feel like powder would just blow you away. I think we all have those kind of days. But notice, as a child of God, God is allowing these things, these trials and tribulations into your life. Has nothing to do with your strength of your faith or how little your faith is. It doesn't have anything to do with that. He is your lover. He is your gardener. He is your Lord. He's your king. He knows how to get you from point A to point B. He knows how to form this lump of clay into a beautiful vase. He knows how to change you from this messed up garden to a beautiful garden. And then as we look at cinnamon, I'm sure a lot of us like cinnamon. It's the season for cinnamon. These next couple months, you're going to have a lot of stuff will have cinnamon in it. God directed Moses to make a holy anointing oil. Now notice what the oil was made of, because these are some of the things that are in this, these few verses. Myrrh, cinnamon, cana balsam, cassia, and olive oil. But cinnamon is a spice obtained from the inner bark of several tree species. But you know how you have to get the bark, right? You have to go in there and you have to cut it and tear it out. 
There's a process. But remember, everything we're looking at is who you and I are. In order to give that fragrance off, something's got to take place. Because of sin being passed down from the Garden of Eden, that beautiful garden. Remember, who else was in the garden? That snake. Satan himself. And Satan can only be in one place at one time, but he has an army of dirtbags that help him. He's got an army of demons that are trying to mess us up as children of God. And God knows, since we were little babes, that sin nature, how it was cultivated by the world and the flesh and the devil. And then God opened our eyes and you put your trust in him. And now he's cultivating you from what you were. You're a new, now you're a new creature in Christ to where he wants you to be. It's hard for you and I to understand that when you have that lump of clay or that messed up garden, that in your journey of your faith journey on this earth, God already sees the finished product. He sees the vase. He sees the nice garden. But what you and I see is the messed up thing still. But God sees the finished product. And he's going to bring you there because he's the author and the perfecter of your faith, of your faith journey. With all trees of frankincense, myrrh, and aloes, with all the chief spices. In verse 14. Now, frankincense, you've heard it before. When the, the wise men brought gifts. To Jesus, it was gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So you've heard myrrh throughout tonight, and you've heard myrrh the last couple chapters. Here's frankincense. Now, yeah, you can see, okay, there's sap in the tree. When the bark is peeled away, there's sap there. That white stuff looks like uh, glue. Is the dried sap of the trees. That sap then is burned as incense and not only for the nice fragrance, but it also has some medicinal properties. Frankincense was used by the priest in worship in the temple. The prayers of the saints is a sweet aroma to God. When you worship the Lord, you're praying, you're praising him. That's a sweet aroma. Not because we're all great singers, but because it's a hard attitude. And to him, it's the sweetest sound on earth. Because it has nothing to do with the vocal stuff. It has to do with the attitude of your heart. And it's a sweet aroma to God. Jesus Christ intercedes before you and me, before God the Father. He's praying for you 24-7, 365. He's lifting you up. He knows what we're going through. 
Our shepherd, our king loves us. He is faithful in all ways. Jesus is set apart to this wonderful ministry for you and me of intercession. And we have the ability to intercede on behalf of people. You can pray for each other here. You can pray for the unsaved people in your family. You can pray for the unsaved people at your work or school. Do you see results? Sometimes. Some might not be until eternity. But it's who you're putting your faith in when you pray. It's not what you see. You're putting your faith in the risen Christ. Jesus, save my brother. You know, save my classmate. Save my fellow worker. Give us an opportunity to talk about you. Let me do something today that shows him some love or kindness where most people wouldn't even go that route. Use me, Lord. To be a sweet aroma, a fragrance to this person. Then we have the myrrh. It's a natural gum or resin that's extracted from a number of small thorny trees used throughout history. And it uses perfume, incense, and medicine. It's one of the things that they dipped the sponge in to raise up to Jesus when he was thirsty. But he refused it because it it deadened his pain. He didn't want to have the pain deadened. He did that out of love for you and me. He took it all. He became sin for us so that you and I would be the sweet aroma of Christ. What sacrifice do we have to make after what Jesus did by sacrificing himself for us. Is there anything too small or too great to do for our savior, our king, our shepherd? Aloes. Both myrrh and aloes are associated with death and healing. Through Jesus' death, we are healed. As we die to ourselves... Jesus' life is more evident in us. And remember in Hebrews 5.8, he was a son who learned obedience from the things that he suffered. Through, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. How much more, you and I? With all the chief spices in the last part of verse 14, How important is the root system for all these things? For all the things we looked at tonight, how important is the root system? The health of the roots, how the roots are being fed, what's being put in there? I'm no master gardener, but I'm sure some of you have planted things and you've had to use some stinky fertilizer. It stinks. But what is the result of that stink? a beautiful plant or a beautiful flower. Through the stink came the growth of the flower. If you're feeling stinky tonight, spiritually speaking, understand that's the very thing God wants to be taking place in you to get to the finished product. 
Who are you trusting? Your eyes or your feelings or your emotions or the risen Christ who says he loves you and proved it by dying for each one of us. A fountain of gardens, abundance, beauty, growth, dependent on its relationship with water, the water of the word. Plants need water, H2O. We need the water of the word to grow. I was talking to a teenager today. The adults in here, we've used this before. You're on Facebook, but you got to get your face in the book. The young guy goes, I don't use Facebook. I go, what do you use? He goes, Snapchat. I said, when's the last time you had a chat with the Lord? When's the last time you had a Snapchat with the Lord? He didn't know when. Didn't know when. So he made him think. Challenged him. Just like God challenges me and you. What sacrifice is too little or too small for Jesus who sacrificed his very life for each one of us? Let's close this up. Verse 15, a a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters and streams from Lebanon. One of the seven wonders of the world was the gardens of Lebanon. It's one of the seven wonders of the world. And this is just an artist's rendition. You can look and, you know, find all these glamorous types of things, but must have been something to be listed as a seventh wonder of the world. And then here's a picture of Lebanon today. And one of the things, I don't know how clear you can see it, there are three waterfalls up high. And they're coming down the mountainside and they're flowing into this one pool of water that's flowing towards us. And when you see this, I was thinking of this, uh, a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters and streams from Lebanon. God, through his Holy Spirit, is pouring out his spirit upon us. Jesus is our living water. We'll never thirst again because of we're believers in Jesus Christ. He'll, He'll give us that spiritual nourishment and refreshment we got to keep drinking from him though we got to keep taking him in the flesh doesn't want to do that and just like that plant needs water the sun and food we need the water of god's word we need the sun s-o-n and we need food we need spiritual meat the meat of god's word we got to get into it we got to understand it we got to dissect it we can read these four verses whatever it is tonight and say wow they had a lot of plants and stuff but now understand that those plants represent you and me it's it's a object lesson of what has to happen in order to get the the juicy stuff out of the plants they need to be Picked and broken and opened and spread and pounded down. That's what has to happen in our lives to be used by the Lord. 
a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters and streams from Lebanon. As we close, here's a picture of the Garden of Gethsemane today where Jesus used to always hang out with his uh, buddies and pray. But he was, these are olive trees. And in order, and God again is just doing this throughout history. In order to get the olive oil, you got to press, you got to squeeze, you got to crush. Jesus was in that garden getting ready to be squeezed and crushed for you and me so that we can now understand the sweet fragrance of salvation of what Jesus did through his blood. So we saw the Garden of Eden and the beauty of it, but there was a snake in it. We have the Garden of Eden where Jesus was crushed. There was a snake in the Garden of Eden. Here's a picture of the tomb of Christ over in Israel. In a garden. In a garden. I've been fortunate enough to go in there. When you go through that door and you look to the right, there's nobody. It's empty. All you see is a stone slab where bodies are supposed to be laid. Remember, there were eyewitnesses. Over 500 people saw Jesus on earth after his burial for 40 days. And then there was a group of people, eyewitnesses, who saw him taken up into heaven. That's amazing. And another garden. And this is another view of the same garden I just showed you, the beauty of the garden, the garden tomb. And one day, this hasn't happened yet, but just like all that other stuff has happened, one day we'll be in a paradise again restored. But until that happens, God's, you're God's flower. That he's cultivating and, and doing things and pruning, cutting sometimes in order for you to shine and give off a fragrance for him. So that it encourages each other, but it also touches a world that stinks. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening and may God bless you.